0: Dance Dancing is forbidden. Bacon, Bacon, Bacon. Dancing is forbidden. Dancing is forbidden. Dancing
1: is You who, running crew, welcome to Dancing is Forbidden and Aqua Teen Hunger Force Exploration. I am Ronnie. I am watching through every Aqua Teen Hunger Force episode and talking about it right here. And the one we are talking about right now is Balloonenstein. You
0: created a Balloonenstein!
1: Yes, we are already on the fifth episode of the first season of Aqua Teen. This episode coming out December 23rd, 2001, two days before Christmas. For those keeping track, the previous episode Mayhem of the Moon and Knights came out mid-October of 2001, so it's been over 2 months since we've had a new Aqua Teen episode, which I will get into more of that later once we talk about the adult swim history for what was going on this day. Before we get into any of that business, I've got some housekeeping to take care of, talking talking about you guys, I guess. So first and foremost, I want to shout out SW Warden91 on Instagram for hitting me up a, a little while ago. I forgot to shout him out earlier. Um, he let me know what yo-yos meant from the Escape from Leprechaunpolis episode. Shake calls the leprechauns yo-yos. I didn't know what that meant. And he hit me up, letting me know, saying, I don't know about you, but I've heard that my whole life as a nicer way to say someone was out of their mind or otherwise crazy. Maybe it's a Midwestern thing, but I've been hearing it my whole life. Thank you, SW Warden. Um, as as i I talked to him on Instagram, I'm Midwestern as well and looks like we are from basically the same area, but I did not grow up hearing this, so I'm feeling kind of gypped by my family for leaving me in the dark on this Aquatine reference. I'm pretty upset about it, and I am currently disowning them as we speak. That's all I have in terms of people reaching out to me on Instagram. So if you have anything to say, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram, Twitter email, whatever. Check the show notes. It's all there if you want to reach me. But what I do have are some awesome voice messages that you guys sent in. Again, I opened up this SpeakPipe account, I guess, where you guys can leave me voice messages from your phone, from your computer, whatever. And I can play them here on the show. And I'm about to do that right now. First off, we actually have a friend of mine leaving a message, which I very much appreciate. My buddy Yousef asking if I will be covering a really cool piece of Aqua history.
2: Hey, Rod Dog Ronnie, man, it's Yusuf. I wanted to just give a reminder. You probably got it in the works for the future, but I hope you feature the, the Danger Mouse record, um, the MF Doom and, um, or the Danger Doom record with MF Doom and Danger Mouse with the Aqua Teen collaboration, that, especially since Doom just passed this last year. It'd be cool to, to see that and what you say about it, and what you learned about it. See you, man. Enjoy. Love what
1: you're doing. Thanks, Yousef Young Yui, for leaving that message. Actually, I didn't even think of covering that record. And so when I worked with Yusef, he would make these playlists and play them at work. And it was super cool because he'd always have stuff I'd never heard before. And I ended up liking a lot of it and listening to it on my own time. And he would play some of those those Danger Doom songs. And I didn't know anything about that. So I would just be working and then I'd hear Aqua Teen like, clips and stuff, and I was just like, holy shit. A couple of months ago, I actually listened to the record in full, and I really enjoyed it. So I would love to go over it. I don't know really what I'd be able to say about it. Maybe just I'll throw it in. Like, if I have an episode that I can't fill out, if it's, like, too short or something like that, I don't know. I'll, I'll find a spot for it. I would love to talk about this record because I actually think it's really good, even excluding the Aqua Teen clips, obviously. So thanks for the idea, Yusef. Thanks for listening. Thanks for leaving the message. It's good to hear from you, buddy. Next, we have a message from the man himself, Wad. I was very shocked to get a call from him right away. Uh, is,
2: is this thing on? I, I tried sending one before, so if this is the second one, uh, I guess I'll just say what I said the first time, except for, except for what I just said right now. But, um, I really all I said was, uh, you guys are doing a good job. And, and I just want you, you guys to keep doing said good job. (laughs) And I wonder how many meat rides you're getting today. But it's me, it's the real one. Or, just some other guy <laughs> doing, doing this thing. But you guys, you guys are doing a good job. So keep on, keep on keeping on or, or keep on trucking. Whichever one you want to use. Is this a contest? <laughs> if it is, I'm just doing it for fun. But either way, you guys are doing a good job.
1: All right. Thank you, Eddie B., for this fantastic meatwad impression. I cannot do a meatwad whatsoever. I've tried and I have failed every single time. It's very difficult. So I appreciate that message. Actually, uh, you were the only meatwad I got and the, ol- the only character impersonation. So look at that. You won the contest. So I'll be in contact with you soon for your uh, $10,000 prize. All right. And then lastly, we have, I'm sorry, I'm not completely sure how to pronounce this, uh, Yosarian with his Aqua Teen Hunger Force origin story, which I really love this, and I hope you guys enjoyed as well. Here it is.
3: All right. Here is my secret origin with Aqua Teen. My brother in, I want to say 02 or 03, when the second season of Aqua Teen came out on DVD, he was in high school and he came to stay at my place for the weekend to just chill with his big brother. And he insisted that we go out and buy Aquatine 1 and 2 and C-Lab 2021 Season 1. We watched, And he was like, you got to see this. So we watched the very first episode of each one. And I loved C-Lab more than I liked Aquatine. I was like, uh, okay with Aquatine. So naturally, he's like, well, let's go get some beer and we'll figure it out. So we went out and got some beer. We watched all of C-Lab. And then he's like, I'm telling you, you got to watch Aquatine. So we watched season one and two of Aqua in like one night. And I was like, okay, I think I'm in love with Aqua Teen Hunger Force 2. And uh, since then, I knew I was going to lose sleep watching it. I knew I'd stay up late, which I did. And uh, side note to that, I can claim that I saw Aqua Teen Hunger Force colon, movie film for theaters in theaters twice. Friday afternoon and Sunday morning. And then it was gone from theaters after that. So... So I just want to say big ups, love the podcast, and that is the secret origin of an old fart in his 40s who still watches Aqua Teen on repeat. Deuces, gooses, keep your booty hole looses.
1: Thank you so much, Yosarian, for that. I loved it so much. I love hearing that. And if anybody else would like to share their secret origin story with Aqua Teen, please feel free to do so, especially people who were kind of there like early. Like I only became a fan in 2004, so I wasn't really there at the ground floor, but super sick, that Yosarian got to see the movie in theaters twice. For some reason, I mentioned it in the trailer for this show. But around this time, I wasn't as into Aqua Teen anymore. And I didn't see it in the, th- in the theaters. And I have no recollection of it even being announced or anything like that. So I was just so out of the loop that I missed out and I regret it. I'll get into it later because I do plan to cover the movie at some point, somehow, because that'll be a really fucking long podcast. But the first time I saw it, which was at my then-girlfriend's house, I actually didn't like it. I think this might have been 2008. I don't remember why. I just didn't like it. But on re-watching it, I, I ended up loving it. So if I could have seen it in theaters, maybe that would have been different with other people who like the show laughing with you. Probably a great experience. So yes, thank you guys so, so much for your voice messages. I loved how diverse everything was. Keep them coming. You can, of course, look for that in the show notes head to the website dancingisforbidden.com or just go straight to speakpipe.com/dancingisforbidden. All right, so that's it for the community corner, I guess, talking about the running crew and let's head over and see what was going on this week when this episode Balloonenstein was released. All right, this week and the week after we have one of the biggest movies of all time and one of the biggest franchises of all time. We had The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, dominating the box office, bringing in $47 million this week and $38 million the next week. It broke Ocean's Eleven's record of $38 million for the highest weekend debut in December, which had been set just two weeks earlier. So... Lord of the Rings, Lord of the Box Office. I still need to finish Lord of the Rings, uh, the movies. I Like a year ago, my fiance and I both had like a week off of work. So I I got the movies. I'm like, are we going to watch these? And we made it like most of the way through the first one and then like gave up. <laughs> I mean, she loves them. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why. I just couldn't get through it. Um, I'll have to go back to it, though. I definitely plan to. I did just finish Game of Thrones, though. So that's kind of similar, <laughs> right? <laughs> just to make it clear, I didn't think Lord of the Rings was bad or anything like that. I just. It's hard to keep me interested, man. That's why I like Aqua Teen. It's only 11 minutes long. Two days before this episode of Aqua Teen came out, we also had the Jimmy Neutron Boy Genius movie coming out, which I hear is fucking awful. I saw it as a kid. You know, this is probably back when it came out, so I cannot remember it, but I remember not really liking it. I, I liked the show, but I remember the movie wasn't really that good. It just seemed really crappy so i, I kind of want to re it because i hear the animation is super awful and i'm really into these bad animation movies and stuff like that all right that's enough about films let's move on to music our billboard hot 100 number one single this week and i'm speaking general charts here people is actually the track from our last episode's alternative charts which was nickelbacks how you remind me not going to play it again because I played it last week. But if you want to hear me talk about Nickelback, make sure to check out the Mayhem of the Moon and Nights episode. But what we did have on the Billboard alternative song chart was... It starts with I
2: don't know why. It doesn't even matter how hard
4: you try.
1: Yes, we have Linkin Park's In The End coming in at our number one single on the alternative charts this week in December. And it was on the charts for five weeks after this. Kind of weird that it was on the charts for December, end of December 2001, when the album came out, I think like early 2000. So kind of strange, but I'm not complaining. This was actually one of my favorite songs at the time. I remember putting the CD and the CD player, putting the headphones on, putting the song on repeat and falling asleep to it. And then waking up later with the song obviously still playing. And I was just like, what? where is it coming from? Is is someone downstairs playing the song? And then I realized that, oh yeah, idiot, you have freaking headphones on. Um, but yes, really love that song. I still love this album. I like Meteora a lot too. Linkin Park just was a really great band. I think they kind of ascended the new metal shittiness and were just something with a little bit more artistic integrity. I, some of you guys are probably laughing at me, but that's that. I still stand by that. I think their first two albums are pretty good. Fell off with whatever they put out after that. And I hear their last album is pretty bad, at least by all the ratings I see of it Which is unfortunate. We all know Chester passed away by suicide. Very, very, very sad. Very talented guy. All right, next up we have our Billboard Hot Top Album of this week, and it was. We have Creed's Weathered, which was released on Wind Up Records. This album was the top dog for the. basically all of December of 2001. And funny enough, this is the the track I played, My Sacrifice, is the only one I recall hearing from that album. I remember more from their previous album, the one with like Arms Wide Open and stuff on it. I remember a lot of those songs, but I don't really remember these songs. So I don't think... Like the album was still huge, but I I don't know. I just don't remember a lot of these songs. But yes, Creed, a band that... They're all right. Don't really like them. I, I have more nice things to say about Nickelback, I guess, in terms of like generic kind of pop rock band than Creed. Don't really know what they're up to now, but I hope they're doing well. And I'm sure with all that Creed money, they most certainly are. So I always try and kind of give like a smaller album, a shout out here. And I was searching the charts, trying to find something else that is still loved these days that came out at this time. And I found a really cool album I'd never heard of before. (laughs) we have i don't know how to pronounce this i think it's ilkai it's i l k a e uh their 2001 album pistachio island it's an idm album and it's really interesting because there are 45 songs on it but all the songs are like uh, a minute long you know give give or take so interesting thing is the artist was only 15 at the time it was actually two guys i guess for this album but now it's just one guy but they were 15 when this came out, which is incredible to me. I thought the music I made at 15 was okay. And I listened to this and I'm like, wow, whatever I was doing sucked because this is just a really interesting IDM album and really cool that the, on, on the back of the album, it says like the artist recommends you listen to this on shuffle mode. So it's not even like, oh, you have to listen from start to finish. It's just, hey man, put it on, shuffle it up, have a good time. I, I had this on in that fashion while I was grocery shopping today and it provided a beautiful backdrop. So yes, Ilkai's Pistachio Island, give it a listen. It's really, really interesting. Lastly, another in music news, which I want to talk about because it's kind of relevant to today, we have on December 12th, the surviving Nirvana members, Chris Novelsek and Dave Grohl, sue Courtney Love in an effort to oust her from the board controlling the management of the band's affairs, calling her irrational, mercurial, self-centered, unmanageable, inconsistent, and unpredictable. The legal battle over the band's legacy has blocked the release of a planned Nirvana box set containing unreleased track "You Know You're Right," which this did come out in 2002. So they, I, I didn't do the research to figure out what happened here, but yes, the album did co- come out with that song. But I, it reminded me of what's going on now: is the kid who was a baby on the cover of Nevermind is suing the band, and I'm seeing a lot of people giving this guy shit, which I kind of get because he's suing them on grounds of like distributing. Child pornography of him, which I'm not really here to have that debate. People are giving him shit for it, and I, I I could see both sides to it. But looking into this a little bit more because you know there's usually more to a story than what you just see, especially in memes, I found out that that neither of his parents actually signed a release authorization to use the image, and this is all according to the suit, which I assume is true, and the family was only paid two hundred fifty dollars for it. And now, and I'm assuming, you know, the the guy himself who's suing, who was the baby, didn't get any of that. His parents did, right? And he doesn't get any money from it now. None of them do. So I kind of get being frustrated there because, you know, you're on this iconic cover and you didn't see anything for it. Uh, your parents got 250 bucks. I kind of get why he might want some money. I, I don't know if I agree with how he's going out about it, but I, I'm assuming that there's no other way for him to get any money. And... From what I've seen of him, he's just like a normal dude. Like, you know, I assume you guys and me, like, he doesn't have much money. So I get my why it's like, hey, man, <laughs> my picture is iconic. Like on this, one of the best-selling albums of all time. Why can't I get a cut of that? I've also read from him that he he's an artist and he was asking the members of Nirvana to like, Give him a piece to include one of his art shows or something along those lines. And he never even could get through to them. He would just, you know, be directed to their manager or to their lawyers or something. And I, I get being frustrated, right? Like you're a part of this iconic cover for these guys and they won't even talk to you directly and say no. They'll just redirect you to somebody else. But yes, we'll see how this suit plays out. But I definitely understand his frustration. Okay, enough of this music business. Let's head over to video games on This Week in 2001. The last week of 2001, we had not, not a huge week for games because you know most games come out in November so that you can buy them before Christmas, not two days before Christmas because at that point, people are probably done Christmas shopping. Not me. I wait till the last second, but most responsible adults and parents probably are done by now. Because of that, I just want to shout out that in late November 2001, we had Super Smash Bros. Melee come out on the GameCube. I am not a big Smash player. I vaguely know the controls, but I know Smash is huge. Everyone loves it. I wish I could get on that train, but I just can't. But what we did have coming out in December was Jack and Daxter's The Precursor Legacy on PlayStation 2, which has really good reviews, and Super Mario World, Super Mario World Advance 2 came out on the Game Boy Advance, which you know wasn't a new game, but it was being ported to the Game Boy Advance, I assume with extra features and stuff like that. So yeah, that's it. Not a whole lot of video game news this week because obviously this was right you know, two days before Christmas. They're not releasing any games that close to Christmas, man. They're shipping them back in November so they can get under these Christmas trees as soon as possible. That leads us to this week in Adult Swim. What else was going on this night on Adult Swim? Because they weren't just showing Aqua Teen. So as I said at the top of this episode, Aqua Teen hadn't had a new episode in over two months. So because of that, Aqua Teen was cycled in and out of the adult swim schedule. On weeks where it wasn't being shown, which if it was, they were showing reruns. They were swapping it out with new episodes of the Brack Show. But because it was out this week, there was no new Brack Show. We had two episodes of Home Movies, both from the first season. So I yeah, I don't think season two had premiered yet. For those who don't know, Home Movies first premiered, I believe, on UPN and then it was canceled after a few episodes. Adult Swim picked it up and then aired the rest of the season that wasn't aired. And then went back and aired the original first few episodes. So yes, th- these were just reruns of the first season. And I think, yeah, I think the second season comes out in 2002. Which Adult Swim did finance and everything like that. After that, we had this episode of Aquatine Balloonenstein, Which was one of the only few new episodes this week on Adult Swim. After that, we had episode Waking Quinn of C-Lab 2021 two episodes of Space Ghost, which were The Justice Hole and Pilot, and then two episodes of Cowboy Bebop, Heavy Metal Queen, which was a rerun, and then Waltz for Venus, which was new. Again, with the caveat, these episodes came out years earlier in Japan, but these were the first time they were airing in English, to my knowledge anyways. I think that's a correct statement. So yeah, same as we basically have always seen. We have home movies... Let me mention those episodes real quick. Method of Acting and Life Through a Eye Lens, because I didn't mention the titles earlier. Aqua Sea Labs, Space Ghost, Cowboy Bebop. Pretty standard affair. All right, so that's it for this week in December. December 23rd, 2001. Let's check out what's going on with these Aqua Teens. Alright, like I said, December 23rd. This episode going back to a TV-PG rating for language, which is what all the previous episodes except for Mayhem of the Moon and Knights were rated, which was rated PG-14. And, you know, most of this season is TV-PG, so... I think, really, mainly the episodes with the Moon and Knights are the ones that are rated 14. No TVM episodes this season, of course. As we are used to, we open to a Dr. Weird skit, this time directly relating to the episode, like the first three episodes did. Again, Mayhem of the Moon and changed things up a bit and really just had the Moon and night ship shown at the very end of that clip. It really had nothing to do with what was going on in the clip, which was in itself kind of just strange, just Dr. Weird rocking out on a guitar. This time, we have Dr. Weird unveiling his newest invention, which is a Vortex... That as soon as the garage door opens, it just sucks them up and that's it. And you know, I don't want to play this clip, but I just I have to because C. Martin Croker's acting is just so great. I, I, I can't I can't not show it to you. I just I, I can't not give it to you. It's too good. Here you go.
0: Gentlemen, feast your eyes. What the hell? What the hell? Damn it.
1: That's literally it. But a plus. I love it. According to the captions. Dr. Weird says, phase down, damn it. I guess just sci-fi talk, right? I don't really know what that would pertain to. According to the Aqua Teen Hunger Force fandom wiki, the footage of the Black Hole was recycled from the early 90s Hanna-Barbera series, Swat Cats. In that series, it was the villain Pastmaster's Time Portal. So this show, absolutely no stranger to borrowing Swat Cat material. As I've said before, it's the background... That you see outside of Dr. Weird's lab, like when you're inside of it looking out the rabbit hole, that's that's from the same show. And there have been other like miscellaneous things I've pointed out in previous episodes that they have taken assets from, or rather are assets taken from SWAT cats. But yeah, very short clip, and we go directly to Carl enjoying his new tricked-out pool. It's looking good. This pool has flames painted on the side, gold trim and a gold ladder, and neon outlining the rim of the pool i love the juxtaposition between that like tricked out pool and then carl's house which is kind of grimy and like the outside the window there are like shades over it or i don't know what you would call that but it's it's just really dingy looking but you have this super nice immaculate pool yeah we have carl just sitting there enjoying it
5: oh sweet sweet nectar it's like my pool is tearing ass around the backyard (laughs) But it's staying still. Still waters run deep. (laughs) Yeah, Carl. Sweet.
0: That is tricked out, my friend. Turbo. Very sweet. You stay away from it. Because you are weird.
1: Carl, very proud, as he should be. And then, yeah, Shake runs in. He's trying to act also like they're buddies. Like, oh, yeah, this is great, man. And understandably, Carl doesn't want him in the pool, even though the Aqua Teens are constantly in his pool. So Carl says... It's like my pool is tearing ass around the backyard, but it's staying still. Still waters run deep. So I assumed that still waters run deep was some sort of classic rock song or reference. So I looked into it and it, uh, it wasn't from what I could find. If I'm wrong in this, please correct me, somebody. But the only notable things I could find were a 1997 contemporary R&B song by the Bee Gees and a 1970 album by American vocal group Four Tops. Which, is, which were like soul kind of pop music. So I can't really imagine that that's what Carl is referring to, either of those things. So what I think he's referring to is, it's, it's like a saying or a proverb, still waters run deep. It's a proverb of Latin origin, now commonly taken to mean that a placid exterior hides a passionate or subtle nature, which basically means like, people who are quiet or shy are often very intelligent and interesting. That, that kind of like, something to that effect. So yeah, would would love to ask the writers if if I'm correct in that. I assume it is because I couldn't find anything else. But yeah, I I love Carl's reasoning for why he doesn't want Shake to go by the pool is because he is weird. I think a more fair reasoning would be because Shake's a fucking asshole and doesn't respect Carl's property or his pool. But hey, it's Carl's pool; he can use whatever reasoning he wants. I want to point out that this is kind of like the first time we see modern Carl, at least. In this like long of a scene, up until now, we've basically only seen him in little spurts, so to open with him is something really new, and that he isn't just he isn't just agonizing over whatever the monster did or something bad happening to him. This is just him enjoying himself and going on this monologue that is very reminiscent of Carl we're used to. For example, in Escape from Leprocopolis, he does go on a monologue there, how he wants to go and get a Hot Rod magazine because there's girls with boobs in there. But I don't know. This just feels more Carl to me. And I suppose in Bus of the Undead, he gives like a a stern talking to to the Aqua Teens, which is funny. But I don't know. This to me is just more of his character shining through than just being angry. Because up until now, all he's really been is angry. But unfortunately, it doesn't last long because Shake does come up and bother him and then Out of nowhere, the vortex we saw in the Dr. Weird skit just opens up in the sky. It sucks up all the water out of Carl's pool instantly. And then Carl is hanging on to the pool, obviously trying not to get sucked in. Somehow, Shake isn't getting sucked up. And then Frylock comes to help. He doesn't get sucked up either. But poor Carl is uh, hanging on for dear life. Oh, and real quick before I start this clip, you'll notice the music playing. There's like a weird percussion in the background. And I honestly thought that I had Spotify playing in the background or a tab was playing audio because it, it doesn't feel synced at all with the main string music that's playing. So kinda of listen to the background music here if you can and see what I'm talking about. It just it sounds
0: odd. <laughs> <laughs> oh what did you do? You just have to get in the my Oh my bowl. god, yeah, I know, the water, it's all gone! Someone get over here and help me! sink get the hose. I got it. Let's hit the water. It's yeah. the blue knob. Oh god! Ah you are using it for that. Uh, hurry up! This pool is bone dry. What are you
4: talking about? I'm Hang about on to tight to that end, and whatever you do, do not let go. Just go. I've got you. <laughs> Grab my potatoes, Carl. <laughs> well, why not?
5: Okay, reel me in, Shake. Shake. Yeah, <laughs> those not on. Shake. God!
1: Shake, tasked with holding the garden hose that Frylock had tied around himself to try and get Carl. And he just ties it to the gutters and then leaves. He's just gone. (laughs) So Frylock and Carl get sucked in to the vortex. So yeah, I I love when Frylock tells Shake to get the garden hose and Shake just thinks that they're filling up the pool again because all the water got sucked out, which is just really, really Shake, right? He only cares about himself and what he wants. And then... Yeah, Frylock flies up to Carl and says, Grab my potatoes, <laughs> which is a great sentence in and of itself. And yeah, like I said, Shake's gone and Carl Frylock gets sucked up. And then our next scene here, we are over at the Aqua Teen house where we see Shake has gone to torment Meatwad. He got, he got bored trying to save Carl, even though he was only there for like 10 seconds. But yes, yeah, so opening this scene... We head over to the Teen's house and Shake is telling me, "What it's spaghetti time, but the spaghetti he's trying to feed him is just the power cord to the TV. Meatwad,
0: it's spaghetti time! Oh boy, spaghetti, huh? All right, spaghetti! Now Yeah, <laughs> it is! There it is! Eat it!
5: That don't look like no spaghetti at all.
0: There. Now it's spaghetti. Now
5: <laughs> eat it! This noodle's
0: black. Well, it's hooked up to the TV show. Put it in your mouth. Come on. You're messing with me, aren't you? Oh, you're right. I'm very sorry. The real spaghetti got wet when I was boiling it, so. <laughs> it's in the dryer. Oh, I just it's probably dry by now. It's spaghetti. It's, spaghetti. <laughs> it's spaghetti.
1: Miwad actually not falling for it right away, but at the end, you know, he does succumb to Shake's mental mastery. I found it weird that Shake wanted Meatwad to eat the cord to the TV because Shake loves the TV. That's like his favorite thing. So it seemed kind of off that he would want to break the TV just to mess with Meatwad. But hey, maybe his love of messing with Meatwad is more than TV, even though I I don't really believe that. Shake puts down a plate and some cutlery underneath the cord to try and convince Meatwad it's spaghetti. An interesting note that it sounds like he's putting down like metal utensils, but they're just plastic. So kind of funny uh, audio mess up there, I suppose. In this shot, we get a really good look at their TV stand here. And I love how just run down it is. It's like they found it on the side of a road or something like that. And it really reminds me of the furniture that my fiance and I used when she was in college. We were living in Missouri and some furniture came with the old apartment we were renting. And yeah, it reminded me a lot of this kind of furniture. (laughs) Unfortunately, Meatwad does fall for Shake's antics and he follows him over to the dryer where he thinks that Shake is drying off the spaghetti that got wet while he was boiling it. So we go over into the hallway where there's just a dryer. There's no washer, which is funny. It's it's just a dryer. The dryer is all banged up. It's missing like its side panel. It's just, again, something looks like they found on the side of the road. And it's interesting that they even have a dryer, right? They don't wear clothes. They're food products. They don't have any clothes on great little uh detail on this dryer is the vent just exhausts right into the hallway <laughs> so there's lint all over the carpet honestly one of my favorite parts of this episode so yeah we see shake trick meatwad into getting into the dryer and then we also get a schoolie d narration segment which i will talk about after the clip
5: now remember i like it spicy
0: <laughs> so <laughs>
2: <laughs> Come on, think about it, Meatwine. This is a dryer, man. Of course it's going spin.
1: Not a whole lot to say. Miwa just gets in the dryer and falls for it. And yeah, we get our Schoolie D narration, which every character in this episode, at least of the three Aqua Teens, gets their own like little narration segment, which is interesting. They're really trying to use these Schoolie D segments more in this episode, kind of like the first couple episodes did. This whole episode just feels really in the vein of a of a classic one of those first couple Teen episodes and so much so that I thought that maybe it was made before Mayhem of the Moon Knights because Mayhem of the Moon Knights is so totally different than the first 3 but no I from what I could tell at least in commentaries and interviews this was made after so they just kind of wanted to get back to basics here maybe the network wanted them to have a little bit more of a standard aquatine episode thrown in and and we'll see more elements of this as the episode goes on of course I'm kind of foreshadowing here but yes as this goes on we go back outside and the vortex opens up and spits out Carl and Frylock and initially I thought this happened instantly but a conversation with the characters makes me think that it wasn't instantly maybe it was days to even a week later we'll get to that when they talk about it but I just want to mention it now that I really don't know how long it is between Meatwad getting in that dryer and then them getting spit out of the Vortex. Because, yeah, it seems instant, but I don't think that it is.
4: Oh, damn. What dimension was that? Carl, your hands. Yeah,
5: I know. I see them. They're very big. (laughs) Well, it was fun. I'm going to go take a nap now, and then I think I'm going to call some hospitals.
1: Vortex opens in the sky. Those two get spit out. There's a little glitch I noticed here. So at the very corner of the screen, after Frylock and Carl come out of the wormhole, Carl pops into frame. Like you can see, it's, it's you really have to pay attention, but there's nothing at the bottom left of the frame and then suddenly like some stuff pops into frame before it zooms out and you see Carl. Because what we see about Carl is his hands are huge. They're just comically large. And it's funny because they never really lead to anything in this episode. It's just like a random decision just to give Carl huge hands out of the vortex. Nothing about Frylock has changed. Frylock is still normal. As Carl says, he's going to go take a nap and then call some hospitals. Frylock goes inside to see what is going on with Shake and Meatwad. And of course, Meatwad is still in the dryer and Shake is trying to hide that fact.
0: Frylock, thank God you're alive.
1: You let go of the hose, didn't you?
0: I had to, Frylock. I had... A load of laundry. You'll wear clothes, Shake. Because none of them are clean! Every time I try to clean them, you have that in some vortex or something. It's ridiculous. Why don't you marry the vortex if you love it so much? <laughs> what was that? Oh, oh those were my talking pants! I know talking. They say help me every time you open the fly, it's very annoying.
4: Where's Meatwad?
0: <laughs> I don't know. How should I know? I brought back
4: some presents. Presents?
0: From you brought presents? Where are they? Presents? What's the Double. Oh, here he is! <laughs> I found him in the dryer. What are you doing in there? You know what I was doing in there.
1: Great exchange between Frylock and Shake where Frylock says, you don't wear clothes, Shake. And Shake says, Cause none of them are clean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, some, some good dialogue here. I kind of, it doesn't go on that long, but I kind of think it's dumb the way that Frylock doesn't know that Meatwad's in the dryer. Like, obviously he is, but, you know, because Frylock's like, oh, what was that? And Meatwad's crying for help. But, yeah, he reveals that he got presents for them, which is hilarious because he was just in a vortex. And Meatwad gets out of the dryer with a sock stuck to his head, which, again, they don't wear clothes, so it's funny that there's a sock in the dryer. Regardless of why it's there, it's now stuck to Meatwad's head and Frylock goes to take it off of him and something crazy happens.
4: Oh, hold on, Meatwad. You got a sock on you? Damn!
0: <laughs> what have you done to move? we getting the presents now or what? <laughs> <laughs>
4: moving toward okay, no,
1: towards the ceiling fan.
0: Oh, No, that's not the ceiling fan.
1: Frylock goes to take the sock off of Meatwad's head and gets zapped really badly. And then Shake doesn't care. He just wants his presence. So Meatwad sends out like an electrical bolt or whatever and is electrocuting Shake and can carry him around with like kind of, it's not quite telekinesis, but you get the idea. And, Fratlock suggests that he, that Meatwad moves shake towards the ceiling fan, and you hear just this great audio of doo, 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 him hitting his head against the ceiling fan. So yes, we see Meatwad has some powers of his own besides changing shapes.
0: Phew, that was cool. I like that. How about this? You shall <laughs> never do that again, ever.
4: That looked to be a static-induced electrical beam. <laughs> how long were you in that dryer
0: locker room now it was like three days it wasn't a week
1: meatwad just saying they're talking to frylock about his new power and their large chair gets like sucked to him because of the static energy in his body which is which is pretty funny and then yeah so here's the the conversation i was talking about that kind of makes it ambiguous as to how long frylock and Carl were in the vortex because Meowth has a week, which I understand his his view of time would be skewed. First of all, he's an idiot. Second of all, you know you're you're trapped in the dryer. How are you gonna know how many days it was? And shake says, "Oh, it's like three days." So either they're both wrong, and it was like you know ten seconds, but I just feel like that's not enough time for Meowth to have gotten this power. So he must have been in there for quite some time, I would assume. The aqua scenes, however, aren't concerned with any of this. Meatwad and Shake both just want their presents that Frylock has brought them from the vortex that he was trapped in for an undisclosed amount of time.
0: Where are the presents? Yeah, where are the presents? (gasps) What is this? Look, it's
4: a letter (laughs) opener and some stationery and some pencils.
5: Oh, boy, I would probably use this all the time if I knew how to write. Thank
0: you, Frylock. That is so sweet. You're very welcome, Meatwad. Yeah, thanks for nothing. Hey, Frylock, can I get an education with all this? Teachers don't want to come over here. No way. <laughs> <Damn> <laughs> <sake>. <laughs> Man, that's
1: got to hurt. The present, it turns out, is just like stationary. It's literally just some pieces of paper and pencils and a pen and a letter opener. I mean, hey, it's, it's better than nothing. It's thoughtful of Frylock to think about them, but it is kind of a crappy gift. <laughs> but still, you know, Meatwad is so sweet about it melts my heart how thankful he is to Frylock for getting that for him, even though he can't use it. But he, he can still draw, you know. He still has some use for it. There's a zoom in on Meatwad during this little scene where he's talking, and you can just see how low-res their chair is. It's pretty funny. Also, a great bit with the chair of, of when Frylock is unveiling the gift before they know what it is, Shake jumps onto the chair. He's, like, all excited. Yeah, It's very cute how Meatwad wants an education. He asks if he can get one, and then Shake just belittles him and berates him about it, saying no one wants to teach you. So Meatwad electrocutes Shake again, which you think Shake would have known better, but he is stupid, so it makes sense. And finally, we see Meatwad get some real revenge here. He can actually hurt Shake the way that he's always hurt him. And then, yeah, a a schoolie d narration, this time for Shake. After this, we get like an interesting visual transition that we don't normally get, just to kind of let us know that it's either the next day or it's just later that day. But um yeah it's like an outside transition then we're inside and we see Meatwad is watching sock puppets on the TV and he's calling for Shake because now that Meatwad has this power Shake is doing his bidding and rightfully so
5: Show! Where is my popsicle? Please, wait a second! I require a popsicle every 15 minutes! You obviously did not read the memo! Is
0: this your memo? I don't
5: even know what this is! <laughs> no! You'll set the move up your lies. <laughs> sure right away! please no, no, do not insult what little intelligence I have. I need it now. I don't go to the store, please, sir. Yes, we will. Now what is the matter crab, bitch? Please <laughs> let me go to the store and get popsicles
0: for you thank you sir. That's right.
5: You better run, boy, and bring back right some chocolate syrup, too. Or your fate is soon.
1: <laughs> Meatwad just getting power hungry, which is I mean, hey, I can't blame him, right? You know, Shake has always been shitty to him. So the memo that Meatwad left was just a drawing of a mouse. So, you know, in Shake's defense, how was he supposed to know what that meant? I'm surprised here that Meatwad's says bitch. And I guess in 2001, that only yielded a PG rating. I figured it'd be PG-14 for that alone, but I guess not. Yeah, you heard Meatwad electrocuting Shake, holding him up against the wall. And something I just noticed while watching this back for this recording is that... You can kind of see like there's like a pixel of a sliver between the TV, I guess the front of the TV and like the rest of it. So you can actually see Shake through the TV a little bit being moved up and down. If if he wasn't being moved, I wouldn't have noticed it. But the fact that he's being moved, you can you can make out that there's something happening through this sliver of pixels on the TV. So kind of a fun little error there. Speaking of the TV yeah, we opened to Meatwad watching it. And it's funny because he has like an angry look on his face. you think he'd be happy watching the show he liked. Maybe he's angry. He doesn't have a Popsicle yet. Or maybe he's just angry with power. I don't know. But the sock puppets were done by John Breston, who was an editor on 49 episodes of Aqua Teen, as well as the movie. He also worked on Space Ghost and The Brax Show around this period as a production assistant and went on to be a producer and animator on Matt Malero's show, 12 Ounce Mouse. So yeah, John on the hand puppets there. And also the the music on the show that that he's watching is kind of scary. It's like ominous music, which is strange because it's just sock puppets. Maybe it's supposed to be like a scary kids show. I don't know. Last but not least, I want to point out that the shock pattern that we see on Meatwad while he's using his power is actually pretty good. It looks pretty well done for how low budget the show is. But yes, in that clip, Shake runs off to go get popsicles for Meatwad, and he better get that chocolate syrup. And in this next scene, Meatwad is in Frylock's room wanting some attention.
5: Hi, hey, what you doing?
4: Just doing a little day trading. I'm purchasing 150 shares of nothing.
5: <laughs> well, that's good. You want to play clam digger?
4: You just fried my hard drive.
5: Oh, well. Really? Hey, let's play Freestyle. You don't need a computer for that. No,
4: let's play get away from Frylock's expensive equipment and go outside so he can call his broker.
5: How do we play that (laughs) though?
1: Frylock just trying to make some money. I guess this is one of the ways that he makes money for them is in the stock market. And Meatwad doesn't like that, so he fries Frylock's computer. And interesting bit, so he shoots a beam at the computer and then you see on the wall there's like a some sort of shock mark, right? And I noticed it, like it moves, it like, animates, and it seems like it was intentional, but I don't really understand why. So definitely check that out when you watch this episode. The stain or whatever on the wall that moves around. Frylock, fed up, he picks up Meatwad, which you think would electrocute him, but it, it doesn't. He picks up Meatwad and just puts him outside, slams the door, like outside the house to go play. And really sad look on Meatwad's face. And this is exactly how I feel when my cats want to come in, when I'm doing something in my computer room, I guess. And they've been better about it lately, but before they would crawl all over my stuff, all over my equipment, I have like music equipment, synthesizer and stuff in here, and they'd want to crawl on it. And you you know, you can't let them. You got to pick them up and put them outside. Say, no, I'm not putting them outside the house, but outside the door. So I, I know how Frylock feels here. Oh, I also want to mention that this is the first instance of Clam Digger, at least it being mentioned, but Meatwad does mention it throughout the series. And in future episodes, we will get some more context. Over at Carl's house, he is soaking his giant hands in the pool and, you know, Miwan wants to hang out with somebody. So he comes over to see what Carl's up to.
5: Oh, geez, he's a raw. Well, hey, about a neighbor. <laughs> How you doing? Don't talk to me and get off my grass. Everywhere you go, it turns brown. Yeah, I'm real sorry about that. I noticed that, too. I guess you want me in the pool so that I'm off the grass, right? Yeah, get in my pool. (laughs) I really want a big pot of 500 gallons of stew. (laughs) Uh, This is going to be a one and a half, but you better watch my face. Because otherwise you can't tell if I'm spinning. (laughs) Meatwad, no. Here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Carl, you okay? My heart.
1: So initially, I thought that it was really random that they gave Carl big hands because to me at the time it seemed like it never really played into the episode but I'm realizing now that without having those giant hands he wouldn't have a need to be like soaking them in the pool when Meatwad jumps in so it all kind of came together for me there because I did record a little section where I'm like oh it makes no sense he never has to do anything with his giant hands but I realized I was wrong really love the dialogue of Meatwad saying uh, in relation to him leaving brown streaks on Carl's lawn is, yeah, I'm really sorry about that. I noticed that too. (laughs) Poor guy. I mean, like he knows it's a problem, but he can't do anything about it, right? He can't help that it happens. I wish that they would have animated some brown stuff underneath him though, but they didn't. So it's kind of funny that the grass is like still perfect even though they're saying it's brown. But yeah, Meatwad jumps in the pool while Carl's hand is in the pool. He gets electrocuted. So Poor Carl. Not only is he disfigured with his giant hands now, but he's also electrocuted and presumably dies, right? And F- Frylock saw it coming as well. And Frylock comes outside to talk to Meatwad about what just happened.
4: Damn it, Meatwad. Everywhere you go, something dies or gets hurt.
5: Everybody hates me because they die or get hurt. <laughs> but Squirrely doesn't hate me. He loves me. Where is my buddy Squirrelly.
4: Oh, here he is. I found him face up in the hallway after your last little hug.
5: Squirrely, no. Squirrely. Squirrely.
4: Yeah, I think you better stop hugging him now. He's starting to smoke. No!
1: Poor Meatwad. He's just like a monster now. You know, he, he, he kills everybody. He kills Squirrely. I love that he just repeats what Frylock says. Frylock says, damn it, Meatwad, everywhere you go, something dies or gets hurt. And then Meatwad just says, everybody hates me because they die or get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I love it. Really great acting here on Dave Willis's part. I mean, as always, but I love that he's able to do this silly Meatwad voice, but make it convincingly sad. Like you you genuinely feel bad for Meatwad in this moment, even though he's a meatball, right? With this absurd voice. Wide range of kind of attitudes and personalities from Meatwad in this episode, because when he has this power at first, he's, you see him actually being mean for like, I think the first time. In Mayhem of the Moon and Knights, Nights, we saw a little bit of that because he was emulating the Moon and Knights' personalities a bit. But here, he's just like, he's saying, bitch, he's swearing, he's kind of a dick. And we do see that in his personality a bit more in the show later on. But this is, I think, the first instance of that. And speaking of Meatwad being kind of an asshole when he has this power earlier, because I forgot to mention it back then, it reminds me a lot of Bill Dotrieve and King of the Hill because... Bill is normally like a pathetic, stupid character, but anytime he gets any semblance of power, he always abuses it and typically will use it against Hank however he wishes, which is really messed up because Hank is always trying to help Bill. And that's kind of how Meatwad was using his power against Frylock a bit. Not as bad, like, you know, he was full on electrocuting Shake and putting him up to the ceiling fan. He didn't do anything like that to Frylock, but he did fry his computer, which was pretty shitty. So yeah, just love, again, once he gets power, he's, his personality just changes, just like Bill Dotrieve. Also, this is our first instance of seeing Squirrely, who does come back later. You know, eventually, Meatwad does get a group of friends, and this is kind of the first inanimate toy object that he has, even though this is it's not a toy, it's it's a squirrel. And I noticed um, under Squirrely's mouth, there's like some shadow... I think it was like a a mistake they made while erasing around the image to make it like, you know, a a PNG, a transparent PNG where you could put it over a background and not have like a white border or a black border around it. I think they didn't erase everything because there's definitely some artifacting there underneath Squirrely's face. Anyways, in this next scene, we are in Frylock's room and they are trying to figure out what to do about Meatwad to get this power out of him.
5: Get this power out of me, Frylock. Call a priest. Do what you have to do, but I need an exorcism.
4: No, no, you don't need an exorcism. You need a
2: balloonism. <laughs> a balloonism? Man, what the hell are you talking about, Frylock? Ain't no such thing. A balloonism, huh?
1: Frylock reveals that Meatwad needs a balloonism to get the static electricity out of him. And then we cut to Frylock outside of Meatwad's room blowing up a balloon. Shake kind of walks up and is just like looking at him like it's weird. You know, it's supposed to be like kind of like a sexual innuendo joke, I guess. And over that, we have Schooly D with a narration, this time for Frylock. Basically just doubting the balloonism and like, you know, that's not even a thing. (laughs) Frylock has finished blowing up the balloon. And in this next clip, we are in Meatwad's room and he is explaining to Meatwad how to perform the balloonism.
4: Now just rub this up and down your body slowly, so it will absorb the electricity.
1: Yeah, um, can I have a little
0: privacy? <laughs> oh, oh, sure, of course.
3: <laughs> will this hurt him? It shouldn't.
0: Then why are we doing it?
1: Yeah, uh, Meatwad wants a little privacy. <laughs> I mean, the joke here is the balloon looks like a dick, right? So he's uncomfortable doing it. And Shake is confused as to why they're even doing anything if it's not going to hurt Miwad. Which, you know, typical Shake, that's what you would expect him to ask. However... Meatwad has to call Frylock back into the room.
5: Frylock, I'm just, I'm just not feeling it here.
1: Here, let me see it. Oh, look, it's squirrely.
5: Oh, yeah, it's Y'all step out now. I think I got this covered. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, yeah, Frylock comes in, twists the balloon into a squirrel. Somehow there's already, like, a face drawn on it and everything. Very cute. And Meatwad can take it from here. He's used to hugging squirrels. He's used to cuddling squirrely. No problem at all. Unfortunately, though, it doesn't stay that easy. Meatwad is cuddling the balloon, and it gets larger and larger, so large that it appears outside and it is just huge. So they go outside. Fradlock tries to destroy it, but he just makes it larger as he shoots it with his laser eyes.
0: The second, and I mean the very second that he is out of that power, I am going to beat his brain so fast. <laughs> <it is. laughs> what, oh, what the hell is this? Oh, look what you've done! You've created a balloon balloonenstein. Well no! Don't go so high! Come back the door to Daddy.
4: <laughs> Damn! He's feeding on my energy.
0: You don't even know what you're doing, do you?
4: We need to pop it, shake.
0: All right, here's the plan: got the letter opener and pencils and load them in my
1: straw. All right, so yeah, um, the problem is it's so large that it it, it is shooting electricity of its own now. So that's why they have to take it out. Just really funny the way that it's getting larger in Meatwad's room and then it just appears outside, right? Like, it doesn't really make sense because it never, it didn't, they didn't show it breaking through the wall. They didn't show it going out the window. You see it being blown up to fill up the whole room essentially. Then just next thing you know, you're outside and it's above the house, which doesn't appear to be broken. So just appears outside the house. Giant balloon squirrel and probably makes it bigger. But don't worry, Shake has a plan. They're going to, they're going to load him up and they're going to take care of this Bloodenstein once and for all. Before I move on to the next clip, uh check out Meatwad's face as the Stein shoots electricity at him. At first he's scared, but then he just goes back to smiling. So I think just the animators didn't want to do anything else. They just like put him back into his default smile mode. I think it's kinda of, kinda of like an error of sorts. Pretty funny. But yes, we get like a cool kind of electrical transition between between Master Shake saying to load him up and then this next scene here where Master Shake is loaded up. He's ready to presumably shoot balloonenstein and take him out.
0: All right, am I loaded? Am I ready to go? They're all in there, right? Yeah, let her rip. This is just shooting me no in way. the room. <laughs> i sending <him laughs> to the stop, stop, stop. making me me fire. Stop. <laughs> You're all right.
1: So great, great, great joke. I love, as you know, any joke where Shake is going to do his power, which consists of shooting stuff out of his straw, and it's always just and just a little plop on the ground. So, yeah, he he chases around Meatwad instead. You think they're loading him up to kill Bluenstein, which is what they think is going to happen, but he just wants to use it to terrorize Meatwad because he's so pissed off at him for basically using his real powers against him. And then, yeah, when he goes to shoot, it just poops out of his straw, and Meatwad says, you're weak. <laughs> Insult to injury on that one. After all this, the wind starts to pick up and Balloon and Stein starts to get blown away.
4: Oh no, the wind's picking up.
0: Well, that's good, right? I mean, he's out of our hair. Hey, go wind! <laughs> you know
4: what I mean? He's headed towards the ocean, Shake.
0: The ocean? Oh no, the beach! Aqua team, Hunger Force, assemble!
1: I love Shake. He's like happy that the wind's carrying it away. Just go wind! Like, yeah, it's out of our hair. It reminds me of... So I work at Target, a retail store. And there's all sorts of different departments and stuff like that, and it just reminds me of other people's attitude of like, oh well, it's not it's not my problem anymore. Like, <laughs> oh, it's 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 the other department's problem. Like, what do I care about doing the right thing or doing it the right way? Just really gave me those kinds of vibes. Not to say I'm completely innocent of those sentiments as well, of course. Frylock points out that Balinstein is heading towards the ocean, which is a problem because it'll be near an open body of water. And shakes like, oh, the beach. Then he calls for the Aquatina Hunger Force to assemble which we didn't get any of that in the previous episode. So that's what I'm saying in terms of them going back to being more like crime oriented. Of course, in this episode it's extremely loose the crime they're trying to solve or or the problem they're trying to fix because they created it. You know, we did have the vortex, but that didn't directly lead to the problem of the episode. I guess it did indirectly in that Frylock was taken away, which allowed Shake to keep Meatwad in the dryer for however much time, which gave Meatwad his electricity powers, which then were transferred onto Bluenstein. So it's like this whole convoluted way from Dr. Weird's creation to the Aqua Teens having to solve this problem. So actually, it's really quite interesting and in-depth for such a short episode, of course. You know, these episodes are only 11 minutes long, but there's just this huge chain of events that you see unfold. But yeah, Shake called for the Aqua Teens to assemble and then instantly, we see Balloonenstein over the ocean, and the Aqua Teens are arriving to the beach in the danger cart.
0: There he is. Yes, there he is. But I'm not parking here. I know there's something closer than this. There's <laughs> no time. Come back here. I can't carry the cooler by myself.
5: Oh, great.
4: Glass. That's it. Meatwad.
5: what? I'm about to roll really.
4: I need your brain.
5: For what? I own my brain.
4: Look, I need to create a cavity inside of you so that you'll float. Then all I need you to do is roll around this broken glass for a little bit.
5: <laughs> Come on, it'll be fun. What are you talking about? Hell no. <laughs> I mean, <okay>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I love this late in the episode, they are kind of just coming up with the real problem of the episode. And also, we get a new background, they're at the beach now. And clearly, Shake doesn't give a shit about any of this. He brought a cooler full of brewskis, and we see him in the background carrying a volleyball net over to the beach. Shake is just there to have fun. So when Frylock said over to the ocean and Shake said, oh, the beach, like he just was reminded, oh, yeah, I want to go to the beach. Shake drops his cooler full of brewskis, and they break all over the ground into a million pieces. And that's when Frylock gets the idea to take Miwad's brain out, which will make him like float in the water and cover him in glass so he can hopefully get up to Lunenstein and pop it. Here is an instance of Frylock not really utilizing his powers because he can fly. And in a later episode, he explicitly uses his, like, a sharp fry to pop a balloon. So, you know, if Meatwad can get close to it and not die, then you think that Frylock could as well and he can just go up to it and pop it. But perhaps because of the material Meatwad is made out of, he's less susceptible to taking damage from it. I don't know. But uh, like I mentioned, I think in the first episode that there are plenty of instances in the show where Frylock can solve something by flying and he doesn't, which, which is really funny. When Frylock explains his plan to Meatwad, he smiles and we see his braces for the first time officially outside of the intro video because you know as i as i mentioned before you do see his braces there but this is the first time in an in the actual episode we see his braces and i say officially because if you listen to the second episode of this podcast i talked about how there was a deleted scene in escape from lepracopolis where he does smile and you see his braces but they cut that scene for the final episode so yes this five episodes in we finally see his braces that were shown in the intro in the first episode so kind of cool that they held on to that for so long but yes, we saw Frylock took out Meatwad's brain, so now he's willing to go along with any crazy plan, and Meatwad rolls in the glass, and he's ready to get this plan going. Hey, who's got brilliant body
0: ball? I just went, ah, gross. Is that a
4: brain? <laughs> go destroy Ballooninstein.
0: Ugh.
5: <laughs> uh. Pop the balloon with the glass. I <laughs> <laughs> with the glass. The glass in your head. <laughs> hey, what's going on? What are you doing?
4: Damn it, he needs his brain. Otherwise he's just gonna float around forever saying do what now.
0: <laughs> well guess what? He's not getting it back because it is now the nerve center for the city of the future. Lost brain jelly! <laughs> right on. They use starfish for money. The Vortex. Meatwad, come on in.
4: Oh no! <laughs> oh no, it just
0: took Meatwad. Ooh, you almost stepped on the mall.
1: <laughs> Two great visual gags here with Shake. So first, he asked them if they want to play volleyball and you see the net he set up. It's just not set up right at all. It's just all messed up, which is really funny. And then towards the end of the clip, he talks about Lost brangelies, which he really quickly, apparently, because he was just over by the volleyball pit, he built a... Sandcastle City with a brain on the top of it, with Meatwad's brain. This being the first time we've seen Meatwad's Mi- brain, he has talked about taking it out in a previous episode, but this is the first time we see it, and we do see it again later in the show. I want to mention at the beginning of the clip, another visual thing is there's a boat in the water, and it gets struck by Stein's electricity, which is now going just all over the place and instantly sinks it. Iconic moment with Meatwad, just do what now? Just, oh my God, it's just hilarious. He just keeps going on. And then Frelot gets angry, and Meatwad's like, don't yell at me, I know! (laughs) But then he just keeps asking, do what now? And the Vortex reappears, sucks up Blunenstein, and then sucks up Meatwad as well. And Shake doesn't really care, because that's when he starts talking about Lost Brangelies. This leads us to yet another Schooly-D narration section. You know, there's so many in this episode, so I'm just playing them all, because they clearly thought them out and included them for a reason. They kind of really tie the story together, I think.
2: Damn, look at these boys.
1: This crazy in the mug, man. What? That sound, Frylock exploding Lost Braindleys, and the explosion serves as the transition into the next scene where they are, yet again, we're five for five, debriefing in the pool. It's just Frylock and Shake, and they are praying, or at least they're supposed to be praying, for Meatwad, who is presumed dead.
0: And thank you, Lord, for giving me the power and the intelligence to open the sky with my mind and save everyone <laughs> from danger. Amen.
4: <laughs> the end. What about Meatwad?
0: What about him? He's gone. Look, we got his brain. We'll just make another one somehow.
4: Uh huh.
0: Don't make me open the sky again, because I will do it <laughs> if you anger me. Okay, okay.
4: Me. Let's just have a moment of silence for Meatwad. Carl, bow your head.
1: Okay, so Carl charred up. Still laying on the ground um, from when Meatwad electrocuted him earlier in the episode, which was quite a while ago. So again, we think Carl is dead here, right? He's still in the same spot, and apparently the Aquatines didn't care enough to like even see if he was okay or talking or anything. Shake leading the prayer, and really he just makes the prayer about how he opened the sky himself, like he created the vortex, which obviously isn't true. But you know he wants to have a cool power too, and he thinks that highly of himself. Before their moment of silence can happen, you know, it wouldn't be an Aqua Teen Hunger Force episode if they didn't take the last eight seconds to do something totally crazy. And hey, this is an Aquatine Teen Hunger Force episode, man. That's what they're about to do.
0: Where are my popsicles? Damn. Is that you, God?
4: Try not get away from the pool. Oh, hell. Can't
1: we, we hear the vortex open up. We don't see it because Meatwad coming out of it would probably be hard to animate, but We hear the vortex in the distance, and then a giant gargantuan attack on Titan-sized meatwad rolls over to the pool and tells Frolic to get out of the pool. And we assume he jumps in and kills Shake, right? I feel like Carrie Means voice acting on that aw hell line. Kind of weird. It seems like really casual for what's about to happen, but still really funny and a great ending to honestly a great episode. Uh, I'll just go into my thoughts on this episode now. My initial recollection of this episode was that I didn't really like it, but upon watching it, you know, for this podcast, watching it a few times, delving into it, it's actually a really strong episode, and I think probably the strongest yet, I have to say. I like how it incorporates their detective kind of element, you know, loosely, but it incorporates it, unlike the Mayhem of the Moon Knight's episode, where it's just not there at all. And... It's still, it takes us all over the place. You know, we open to Carl's pool and we get Carl's monologue about the pool. We get Frylock and Carl sucked into the vortex. We get a great section of, of Shake picking on Meatwad. And then because of that, Meatwad gets powers, which he then uses to turn the tables against Shake. And then from there, he causes chaos with the powers. They have to fix him. And, and then by trying to fix him, they create a monster, which they have to try and fix that. And then, you know. It kind of ends, but Meatwad comes back just big from the vortex. It's just all over the place. I like how kind of convoluted it all is, how much they fit into 11 minutes. It's just really tight, smart writing, I think. Lots of great jokes. You know, Meatwad's Do What Now is an iconic moment in the series. So I'm going to have to give this episode 4.5 spaghettis out of 5, honestly. I want to give it a 5, but it's not one of my favorite episodes. But it's a really great episode, a smart episode, a very underrated episode. You know, this is one of those episodes that makes me thankful for doing this podcast because I wouldn't have appreciated it without the podcast. Because like I said, my memories of it weren't very great. I didn't think I liked it very much, but it's very strong. I, I really recommend this episode. The pacing was just phenomenal. There's always something funny happening and it just takes us in all sorts of directions. Also great gags with Carl's pool being tricked out and Frylock giving Shake and Miwad a gift from the Vortex, which was just stationary. All right, before I wrap up here, I said last week I would talk about the outro here, which I will do again because it shouldn't take long. Of course, Mayhem of the Moon Knights had a different outro of the, you know, check it out now, the Moon Knight Death March, I believe it's called. And this is just the standard outro. And up until this point, the outro visuals, or at least like the credits, are just names written in white over black, right? There's really nothing. And in the next episode, thanks to voice message from Carson Ibera, I know that that is when they introduced the visual background. So we'll talk about that, the visual side of that in the next episode. But yeah, now I'll tackle the audio, which there isn't much to say, right? So listed in the credits for the music department, we have Eric Horvitz as music mixer, musician, additional instruments, Schoolie D as composer, theme music, performer, theme song, and Terry Yerves as musician, live drums. So... I don't entirely know like who composed this. I assume it was Schoolie D, right? Because it said he did the theme music, and this outro theme is like just a play on the intro theme. So I, you know, I assume that Schoolie D did it, right? I I just thought he was a rapper. I guess he's a producer as well. This outro music, classic again, it's just a play on the on the intro theme. So we already know it's great. This is where they include the "Dancing Is Forbidden" clip, which you know gave me the idea for the name for this podcast, for the theme song for this podcast. If it wasn't for this outro, I don't think I would have really thought about Dancing is Forbidden. Because, you know, Shake says it really one time in the first episode. He does say it like all, like seasons later as a callback to the first episode. But, yeah, you know, I, I would have probably thought of something more renowned and something more associated with Aqua Teen. But because they play this at the end of every episode, basically, it kind of cemented Dancing is Forbidden as an Aqua Teen quote or slogan or whatever so yeah guys I'll, I'll play that at the end of this episode let me just wrap up here I want to mention just so you're not confused I will also be playing the voice message from listener Carson Ibera they go over some stuff from the next episode I'll be covering space conflict from beyond Pluto so I'll play it at the end of this one so I'm not playing it in the next one because I'll be going over a lot of that myself so it'll be a nice little teaser for you for what's to come next week Yes, of course. Thanks, Carson, for sending that in and, and for all the great information that is included in that voice message. So yeah, you'll hear that after the theme song. As for myself, thank you guys so much for listening. I can't believe how long this episode turned out. It seems like these episodes are getting longer and longer. I will try not to continue that trend. I'll try and keep them under an hour. You know, It's only an 11-minute episode. <laughs> but yes, thank you for listening. Of course, if you want to get in contact, check the show notes, but you can head to DancingIsForbidden.com hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. As mentioned, I do use Instagram more and I will be doing some more polls and stuff on there. So if you like Instagram, then definitely check out my Instagram there. I'm posting memes on both of them. Um, basically, screenshots from my favorite moments from these episodes with the quotes. So people seem to be enjoying them and I enjoy you know, going through the episode and finding them. So it's a lot of fun. If you like to email me, it's gmail.com. Of course... I would love more voicemails, more voice messages, because I am out of them. I blew my load in this episode with all the great ones you guys sent me. So you can check the show notes for that as well. Or just head straight to speakpipe.com dancingisforbidden is forbidden. Last but not least, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends about it. You know, post about it, wherever. Um, tell your mom about it, your dad about it. Let me know what your dad thinks about it. I think that he might actually like it. So... Yes, guys. Thank you. Here is the, the outro theme song, rather. And then we'll go into Carson's message. And yeah, have a great week. And I'll talk to you next week when we talk about space conflict from beyond Pluto.
6: Hey, this is Carson Ibera. I just wanted to talk a little bit about uh, space conflict from beyond Pluto and the Plutonians. The Plutonians are really funny characters. I think they're a little underrated, but, you know, you already have the Moon Knights who are a duo of aliens, and they're a lot more recognizable. Um, this was the first episode to air in 2002, and it was also the first episode with the regular credits, not the theme, but the background images of the credits, Um Oglethorpe's voice by Andy Merrill, who's a really important component in Adult Swim history. I don't think he gets a lot of the credit he deserves because he was the voice of Brack and Lokar on Space Ghost, and he was co-creator of the Brack Show, and he was a writer on Space Ghost and producer too. Um, uh, so yeah, the Plutonians are really funny. I love their dynamic, um, especially in this episode. This episode's really funny. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of it. <laughs> Um, Mike Schatz is a local actor in Georgia and that's why he hasn't really done much TV other than uh, Octane and he was on one episode of Squidbillies I think so uh, yeah thanks for the love your podcast thanks for opening this voicemail thing up uh, and have a good day